0: we we'll just pray before? I just, I just want to talk about Jesus briefly today, and then we're going to worship again. And my prayer, I hope it's our prayer, that our hearts would just get drawn to his. So maybe you want to ask him again. Maybe you've come today and you're like, man, you don't need to tell me to do anything. I'm like full of joy. I'm full of joy and I'm full of the Holy Spirit. That's, that's amazing. But maybe you've come here a bit weary, a bit confused with how life's been. Man, he's, he's, he's closer than a whisper away. He's literally closer than you can imagine. So just pray. Just take a moment to give whatever prayers you want to this brilliant Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, we look to you, this conquering king, this wonderful saviour. We just, we just invite you, as if you need any invitation, just to come pour your your grace and your mercy, out into our hearts, for your good name's sake, Amen. I forgot, man. There's people watching from home. It's it's like that for the last 17 months. We've been looking down the barrel of a camera, and now it's like, wow, it's widened out. Um, so, hi, folks and friends listening on. Um, but thanks again so much for just coming and joining us like this. It's been a crazy year. It's been a really, really crazy year. I said on the stream a few weeks ago, I think this year I've probably felt everything that I've felt this year, but not quite to the extent that I felt it, if that makes sense. Whether that's anxiety, whether that's sleeplessness at times, whether that's restlessness at times, whether that's confusion, I've never quite felt it to the degree that we've, you've together felt that. So, And it feels like when... When we come together like this, after 17 months, there's probably... I'm saying 17 months. Is it 17 months? Something like-ish. There's probably so much to talk about and the pressure to kind of... Man, what's a, what's a now word of the Lord? For me, it's Jesus. And, and I know it's not rocket science. I don't want this to feel like, oh, well, it's obvious it's Jesus. But I didn't I didn't want to take any pressure to sort of feel like, man, there's so much to talk about. And I had, I was saying to Andy and John this morning, I had reams of notes literally yesterday of just stuff all over the place. And I woke up this morning and everything changed. And I, you know those moments where you think, man, I've got to follow that. So if, if you have a Bible, uh, turn to Colossians. It will come up on the screen behind me as well. And for those at home, if you have... Have a Bible, turn to Colossians chapter one. I really, I simply want to lift our focus and put our attention on this incredible Jesus. Remind us that we're a family, we're a people, we're a church, we're a body that is gathered around him. I loved how John just hosted that communion space. It's like, man, it's all about him. Colossians 1, I'm reading for the NIV. Verse 15 to 20, the sun is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth. That's amazing. Visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. Let's have no misunderstanding. Everything is for Jesus. Your life, my life, everything. It's explicit here. Everything is for him, to him, through him, because of him. Everything. All things have been created for him. He is before all things. And in him, all things hold together. That brings me a lot of comfort, friends. Everything is held together by him. So our broken hearts, our joy-filled hearts, our hearts, when they feel a bit funky at times, are held together by him. And he is the head of the body, the church. Man, that gives me a lot of comfort. (laughs) He's the head of this gig. He's the head of the body of Christ, because he is Christ, but he's the head of the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn among the dead, so that in everything he might have the first spot, basically, the supremacy. God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in Jesus and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And that's the wonder. That's the mystery and the wonder of taking communion. As funny as these little pots are, as John just said, something about this act, this sacrament of communion, we're remembering this incredible Jesus. Jesus. And it's not somber, it can be somber, it can be all of it. It can be joyful, victory, somber, all of it. But we're taking this, this supper, or this, this meal, because of his bloodshed. Man, I don't know when that happened for you. 20, 20 plus now years for me. I remember the moment that I realised Jesus died for me. His blood was shed upon a cross for me. And I receive peace with him. If that's you this, I was going to say this morning, I've said it now. If that's you this afternoon, man, if you turn to Jesus in faith, you have peace with God. The one who flung the stars in the universe, you have peace with him. Peace with this creator. Hebrews 1, verse 1 to 3. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors or our forefathers and the prophets in many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. This little throwaway comment. Oh, and by the way, he made the universe. Um, Just the universe. Just, Just throw that out there. The sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. And after he provided purification for sins, forgiveness for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven, sustaining all things by his powerful word. I remember when I was a kid or before I'd encountered Jesus, before I knew God, I always thought there's something out there. There's a being, there's a presence, there's something. If only someone could tell me what God is like. The Bible's really clear. You want to know what God is like? Jesus. How, how does he look to the marginalised? Jesus. How does he deal with a woman caught in adultery? Jesus. Jesus. How does he deal with, with rebels like me, Jesus? How does he deal with the, the hurting and the broken and the busted, Jesus? How does he deal with poverty and injustice, Jesus? And I remember the moment I encountered Jesus, I was like, so that's God, that's the God of the universe. So if you're here today thinking, I'm still, I'm still unclear what God's like, just study and look at and wonder the, the person of Jesus He's the imprint, the stamp, the rubber stamp, the kind of the image of God, this invisible God. Jesus is the hero of history. And I know we know this, but he's the hero of history, and it's all about him. He's the start of it all. He's the finish of it all. He says he's the starter, the perfecter, the completer of our faith. You're not. I'm not. Praise the Lord for that. Like, I don't finish this thing in my life. He does. He says the good work that he started, he will complete. You know, sometimes we can feel like a rabble or a mess, but he will finish it. He'll complete it. He'll rebuild your life brick by brick by brick by brick. Exactly how he wants it. The Bible also says he's the truth and the way and the life. And if we want to know God, we come to him through Jesus. We understand God, we come to God, we know God, we experience God through Jesus. There's no other way. This, um, this man, Pete Gregg, many of you would have heard of Pete Gregg, just an incredible guy. Written so much on prayer. I love his heart. He just makes it simplistic and real. You read things that Pete says, and you say, man, that's like me. That's how I feel right now. And it's been a quote that has haunted me in a good way for the last probably two and a half years. And He just said, in the clutter of Christianity, we can bury Christ. I just want to push that out a little bit further. In the clutter of our lives, we can bury him. In the clutter, the confusion, the anxiety, the pain, whatever, the busyness, the boredom. How boring has the last seventeen months been? I know it's been busy, and some of you are like, I cannot compute with that because I have been non-stop. But I mean, the the limitations is what I mean. We went out for a meal with Andy and Nikki. It was last night. (laughs) Um, It felt like a million miles away because we'd not. But it was like, man, we've not done this for a long time. Just those things that we took for granted. But in the in the clu- that wasn't a clutter, by the way, guys. That was wonderful. <laughs> I realised where was I going with that? Um, it was such a lovely night. But in let me get back to the original thing I was saying. In the in the confu- like the last seventeen months across the planet, across the planet, we've lost people. You know, there's there's been tragedy in this church through COVID. There's been heartache and pain. For it all, we can lose sight of Jesus. We can lose sight of him. I know I have at points. I have when my heart gets so riddled with anxiety, I'm like, man, there's an anchor. Andy Smith reminded us the other day, that's why he's called an anchor. That's why he's called a rock. That's why he's called a refuge. That's why he's called hope and peace and our glory. Because that's where we find ourselves. In the clutter of Christianity, we can bury Christ? Absolutely. But in the clutter of my life, in my heart, I know I've buried him. And the good news is he's alive. He is wonderfully alive. He's just as alive today as the moment that he burst from that grave 2,000 plus years ago. He's alive. We're a people that need to look to him, believe in him, gather around him, get meaning and purpose from him. He's everything. He's life to us. You know, the Apostle Paul in Philippians, this is a go-to place when I need to remind myself. He, he says, I, I, I'm going to paraphrase, he said everything is meaningless really compared to knowing him, compared to knowing Christ. It's quite graphic really. Everything's poo. I nearly said the other word. For poo. But everything is that compared to knowing Christ. Like My life is nothing compared to knowing him. I've been crucified with him. I no longer live, but he lives in me. My whole life is his. My whole existence is his. My reason for being, my reason for moving, my reason for breathing is him. Everything is meaningless compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. And he says, I'm being found in him. I just want to remind you, dear friends, brothers and sisters, if you have given your heart to Jesus, you're found in him. You're found in him. How does he become the goal, the focus? I want to read us a little story. I read this probably a couple of years ago now when we were meeting in the powerhouse. Um, but it's it's something I felt reminded again today. And it's from a book called The Throne Room Company, written by Sean Bowles. And it's a a story of a friend of his who had a vision of heaven and the outer courts of heaven and what heaven might look like. And he had this prophetic vision of, of, of men and women that have gone before us, gone home to be with the Lord. But listen to this. He said, a friend of mine had a vision of heaven He saw the outer courts, the inner courts, and the Holy of Holies where Jesus stood. This friend first went into the outer courts where he encountered many well-known ministries from the last century who had incredible ministries of teaching and healing and prophecy. Surprised to see them in the outer courts, he approached one of the more famous Christians that had lived and he said, with genuine interest, why are you you here and not inside with Jesus? Jesus. The man looked at him with a smile because I love my ministry more than I love Jesus. I spent more time ministering to people, not that that's bad, than I did to him. The man had no shame though and he was clearly grateful just to be in the company of heaven. However, my friend was saddened about this and it made reminded him of his own life. Then my friend was transported into the inner courts where he recognised a, recognized a modern day hero of the faith, why aren't you in the Holy of Holies, he inquired. And this man said, he didn't take any offence, but he, he looked perplexed by the question. And he truthfully answered, because I cared more about understanding and wisdom than I did about being with Jesus. My life revolved about an, around an intellectual understanding rather than a relationship with him. And again, my friend was convicted and a little disheartened by what he heard. Finally, He was ushered into the most awesome presence of the Holy of Holies. A radiant love emanated from Jesus. Can you even imagine what it's going to be like? (laughs) Like this love that radiates from him. My friend could barely see out of this brilliant light that was in the room. Below the throne, he noticed this frail woman holding the hand of God. Searching his memory, my friend, he just couldn't place her anywhere within the leaders from Christendom and then he slowly walked over her over to her but discovered that her gaze was firmly fixed on Jesus hesitating at first he he interrupted her and asked will you just tell me who you are without taking her eyes off Jesus she replied I'm his Imagine getting to that place where regardless of what you go through, someone taps you on the shoulder and says, sorry, who are you? I'm his. That's who I am. He stopped for a split second. She took her eyes off Jesus for a moment, confused by the question. Her eyes were radiant with the power of his pleasure. Man, I love that. I only look at Jürgen Klopp like that. (laughs) Sorry, that killed a moment. (laughs) I see you, City fans. (laughs) I just loved him all my days on earth. I only had love for him. Her eyes were radiant with the power of his pleasure. This reminds me in the Psalms, it says those that look to him are radiant. Do you ever see that? When you're watching someone worship, you can just see the radiance of his pleasure on them. You know, you know what I mean. When you can see someone that's so fixated on Jesus, you just see the that comes from them. If that's the right word, they radiate love. They radiate something. Wow, you must have had an incredible life. He asked her, "What kind of miracles did he do through you?" My friend, my friend asked. she spoke soberly, indicated great brokenness. Actually. He was the only thing that made my life worth it. I didn't do anything that anyone would consider was profound. I just spent my days with him because I had nothing else. But he loved me. He's my miracle. Puzzled, my friend quizzed her further. Didn't he do anything through you? (laughs) Didn't you have any sort of ministry, some sort of gifting that he prepared you for such a life? No, she replied. I wasn't really good at anything, really. I didn't have a good voice to sing to anyone but him. I didn't have eloquent speaking ability, so I never taught. I didn't get any prophetic words for anyone. I just loved him and those he put in my life. And I love that. I love the thought of that. I just loved him and those he put in my life. I don't know about you. I don't know what vision you have for your life. But for me, I make it quite confusing at times. If I'm honest, I'm like, why am I here? What's the purpose of life? What's it all about? For this dear lady, it was like, I just loved him and I loved whoever he put in my way. And I just want to talk to us as a family and say, man, what would that look like for us? Imagine that as your life. I'm just going to love him and whoever he puts in my way. This kind of focus needs real intention It's an abiding in Jesus. that people take a lifelong, it's lifelong. I I think some people, some people master it. But it's just this lifelong abiding, just learning to stay with him, learning to listen out for his voice, learning to be like this dear lady. I'm just looking to him. I'm just looking to him. I want to finish with this scripture It's in Colossians 3, verse 1 to 4. And then Andy and Barney and Ivan, we're just going to worship again. They'll come up and we'll we'll just worship. I'll encourage us again to, as if you need my encouragement, it's your life with him. We'll just look to him. Just get fixed on him again. Colossians 3. I love these verses. Because I feel like this can be an intentional lifestyle to stay fixed on Jesus. Paul says, since you've been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is. Friend, since you've been raised with him, set your heart on things above where Christ is. Seated at the right hand of God, set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Friends, you have an incredible inheritance that will never be stolen from you, that will never spoil or perish or fade. You're in his hands for all eternity. We can set our hearts on him. We can set our minds on him. And we can live from that place. Let's pray together. just spend a moment right now thinking of those verses again since then you have been raised with christ (laughs) raised with him resurrected into brand new eternal life through the finished work of jesus christ at the cross since that has happened to you set your heart and your mind let's set our hearts and our minds on things above where christ is we are seated with him at the right hand of God. Choose this moment for a moment of stillness. Just gaze into his face. Imagine his eyes looking back at you. the power of his pleasure, the delight that he has for you. For you, friend, that delight, that love. So Jesus, we give you this time. Just say, you're incredible, what a beautiful, beautiful saviour you are. What a beautiful friend. What a beautiful healer and hope bringer and joy bringer and peace bringer thank you that you are the king of all kings so we set our hearts and our minds on you king jesus I'm just going to hand over to Andy and crew and let's continue to look to him